Newly stocked on the shelves is box number 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness, Black Trans Women, and Excellent and Defying All Life Expectations. The show begins now. Hey y'all, welcome back to box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. This is episode number 16. I am your co-host Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. Girl, but let's start here. Did you watch the um BET Awards? I did not get a chance to get it, girl, but you know, I have heard all of the Lama Miss Bang. Oh. I don't yeah, I didn't get to watch it either. I really as I get older, award shows don't um do it for me like they used to. So I just really wait for the clips to come online just so I can fast forward through all the stuff that I don't want to see. Well, yeah, that part because it it does tend to be a marathon bitch. Right. And I just don't have the patience um to watch them. But from what I uh, heard for the most part, everything was good. Like for this to be the new normal, uh, particularly for award shows, I heard that it was really, it was produced really good. Some of the performances were great. And I actually look forward to watching some of the performances back at a later time. But this is Grown Black Trans Women Talk with a, a lens towards everything Black and trans feminine. And a story, a story that came out of the BET Awards in regards to trans people. So even before the uh, awards had aired, Angelica Ross, who we love at the show, she posted a status. She commented, um, she commented, she made a comment on Twitter to BET, basically calling them out for having lackluster representation of Black LGBT people because BET had an original post where they were celebrating like their 40 years of excellence and they had like a like a little a minute clip show and of course there were there weren't any identifiable Black um, queer people included in this 40 years of excellence so Angelica retweeted it and basically called them out so that was kind of I kind of caught wind wind of that, and after the show aired, another uh, Imara Jones, who is the the founder and the director of Translash, which is a um, Amara. Yeah, shout out to Amara, um, who I found out that is a native of Atlanta, Georgia, so work. Yes, um, come on, come on, Peach. Yeah, so she is a, a me is a multimedia co- um, company focused on trans people, and I sh- she came on my radar like a, as of last year, but within these past couple of months, she's really been getting out there, and I really like her work and I like her stance on her platform. So apparently, Imara did a commercial with McDonald's that was supposed to air during the BET Awards. And basically, uh, and if you go to McDonald's Twitter's page, they actually have the commercial. It's only about like 30 seconds. But the gist of the commercial is um, Amara is on the commercial and she's saying that 
the, she's saying that if um, Black Lives Matter, and we're in this moment where Black Lives are mattering, that trans li- Black trans lives should also matter, and we the, we need to stop murdering Black trans women. Just calling t- attention to the murders of trans women that have continued to happen even since this um, new wave of Black Lives Matter. So I'm thinking, you know, great point, spot on, right on time, and relevant, and yeah would have been fabulous and amazing for BET to, in their spirit of social justice and all of that, it would have been amazing for them to also have this message while all of these Black people are tuned into the show. But uh, for some strange reason, this commercial was not included in the show, and Amara uh, posted about it on Twitter. And she basically called out BET, and it kind of, it kind of, leads us to conclude that them the logical conclusion is that them not including this very important commercial in the show the only reason could be because of some type of transphobia or some type of intolerance toward this message that Amara was talking about so sis what's your thoughts about this be i think what happens is is when you have com- competing factions within an organization and what you end up having is is them making what's called a safe decision so here's my thought so in order for bet to have even considered it that means that there are some people within that organization that probably agreed or said that they would give time for this mcdonald's commercial to for that mcdonald's sponsor to help you know raise awareness to this issue what happens is probably it got promoted that this was going to happen. And then you have this, unfortunately, Black respectability politics kicked in. Mm-hmm. So behind the scenes, they start getting emails from these fake, woke-ass professors and these wannabe motherfucking thought leaders and these supposed to be um, connected and grounded-ass um, community advocates and spiritual leaders and all that jazz. And what ends up happening is they cave to the pressure because respectability politics says it is better for us as an organization that's trying to promote blackness in general for us to piss off a small group of people versus Mm -hmm. the larger group of folk who will feel uncomfortable by having their privilege checked. And at a time such as this, why are you checking blackness? And that's what I can feel like people feel when they think about including us. They feel like to include us is to say that something that I, a part of what I believe is wrong. Because to include those people, somebody that I've been raised or trained or socialized to believe are less than, to include them in that conversation is to you telling me that's a part of me that has to be checked. And at this time, they want to get all the privilege they can, even if it's on our backs. So shame on BET for caving to pressure. Shout out to the obvious employees, maybe one or two, because I don't believe no corporation is, is corrupt all the way through. So shout out to the one or two BET employees that tried to do the right thing, but were overruled by assholes and people that are concerned about the dollar. That was lightning. Um, <laughs> Girl, wait a minute. And God says so too. <laughs> girl listen let me summon my black ass all the way down honey but yes it is storming boots here if you don't bring your ass in out of that rain leave this in by the way so they know what it's like living with the husky 
<laughs> I don't I don't know. I just feel like I, I do feel like within BET there are some people that get the conversation. Uh, but as a whole, as a whole, especially in this moment, and again, this goes back to our uh, our conversation from last week talking about performative allyship. It literally would have cost the BET nothing to uh, run that commercial. And even if they would have gotten pushback, it wouldn't have been something that they would not have been able to overcome. But just to see this happen time and time again, where an opportunity like this presents itself, but the powers that be are so interested in maintaining the status quo at the expense of us. Um, at the expense of us having our voice and having our moment, I think it's very uh, unfortunate. Uh, and also, I really don't see much of Watch BET anyway. And I feel like when they do try to do like the black and queer content, it's not really a um, a good faith effort because all of the content is rele- relegated to like online stuff that you have to stream. It's like no put us on the main stage with everybody else so people are forced to watch us. Put, like, air us on TV. I don't want to be uh, the the online streaming, sp- like, no. Give us airtime like everybody else. But I, ju- I just feel like, once again, it's a missed opportunity. And it, it's just a bad reflection on them that you guys are not really engaged in systemic changing of the culture and, like, uh, intentional critique. It's just like let's just maintain the sca- status quo. And let's just be performative, but let's not really be committed to uplifting everybody. So I just I, I feel it's unfortunate to them. But for our Imara, the fact that she's getting McDonald's to fuck with her and to give her a commercial, I think that is a fab look for our community. And no shade. See, this this is the thing, like black culture, y'all, it's like black culture misses out on so much good shit from us as black queer people, but we end up having to go into the arms of whiteness. Like y'all literally push us into the arms of whiteness because y'all don't want to fuck with us. Because I could definitely see um, MTV or VH1 picking up the ball and giving us all the space we need. Not saying that it's necessarily better over there, but you don't, it's not all of these internal black well, I think it also speaks to this, Brie. Like what's even deeper painful about it is, is that it would have to go to there to get light. That right. our people aren't concerned about our lives. That they don't think that our lives matter and that it bothers them to be, for us to be included in that. Right, and then for them to turn around and gaslight us like, oh, you could have came over here and we could have did this. And it's like, but you literally had the opportunity to do something and you cut the commercial. So it's it's unfortunate, but big up to Amara Jones, big up to Trans Lash. Keep, I know it hurts. I know it's painful, especially when you're doing it for the right thing, the right reasons. Um, I know it's frustrating, but you are definitely making an impact and you are making moves and I can't wait to see the next thing. And BET, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like I, I don't watch, like they're not even good for black people. So I don't, you know, I don't expect much out of BET when it comes to- Are they black owned? No, the Viacom owns them. I thought so. I was just trying to make sure that was known as well. 
Yeah, so they, yeah, Vi Viacom, Viacom owns them as well. So, yeah, it's so just, I really think you being woke, but you upholding white supremacy. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, I don't. It's sad to say, but I don't expect much from BET. I just don't. But uh, pivoting to our next topic. We did a live show on Friday, sis, that was really bomb. And I just, I felt like the energy for this live show, it was a, it was different. But we definitely um, touched on a lot of different topics. And you guys were really receptive to it. And I put some of the clips up on our Instagram page where you guys mm-hmm. really engaged. Um, and so much love. We really right. shout out to our fans right now. So for those of you who missed it, we do a live every Friday. I'm going to just promote that real fast. It's a box number 512 after the show every Fridays on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. And we are excited if you guys would tune in. But anyway, like my sister said, this week was fab. So shout out to everyone that participated. The engagement was the best we've ever had. And I just wanted to just take that moment to just big that up because that is now becoming one of my favorite parts of this process. Yeah, and I always, um, the link is always included at the, um, if, well, on our, um, on our Apple podcast, since most of our listeners um, listen through Apple, the link to our live show from the pre- the previous week is always at the, included in the, the um, information section of our podcast. So make sure you guys are listening, are watching the live shows in addition to listening to the podcast. But we talked about a lot of um, good things. We talked about fat phobia. We talked a little bit about the um, disclosure um, conversation. Um, so basically, I brought up the live show to um, say this. We got a we got a little bit of pushback because I did uh, call some folks out for some things that they said, but this is social media, and if you put stuff out there, I and if I want to talk about it, I'm hey, we got pushback for our show, girl. Not for our show, but just for individuals um, saying that, and it wasn't like a big pushback, but people being mad that we were we had conversations about stuff that they talked about on their platforms, like their platforms just exist in like a singular space and time and we can't comment on them. But it's like, if you say problematic stuff, like we are the, we are the trans woman show. Like we're going to give our opinions and talk about it. And that's the fact. It's like people feel like they can talk about trans people. And because in their mind, we don't exist or we're not articulate or we're not educated enough to have these conversations in their mind, they're not ever expecting us to like feel some type of way or respond. Um, exactly. And then enter box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk, and the Aeon and the Lioness, and now you have a whole new dynamic. And we are, sis, I believe we're really going to challenge people's ideas of what black, of the position that trans folks should play. And I am okay confronting that. So. I thank you for bringing that to the platform because baby, that conversation on Friday, darling, was fabulous because I feel like we confronted multiple layers of issues that are are, are like cancers in our community, in blackness, in particularly black LGBT community, in misogyny, girl, we really just went in. So for those of you who, do, who have not too, please tune in, honey. Box number 512 podcast after show on our Facebook page, which is also Fox number 512 podcast. And it's up. And if you want to catch it, you will have a blast. Yeah, but, um, but 
yeah, honey, but we're not, we not going to shut up. We're not going to stop talking. I also saw a lot of people saying that, um, oh, you're just, you're just trying to um, do clickbait to get promotion for your podcast or your chasing fame. And I want to, I want to like be real clear on this podcast in this moment. I know we are not here chasing fame like that. Mm-hmm. Like we actually have real lives. We have real goals. Like we do the show as an outlet. So nobody is here trying to chase fame. Are we trying to interact with you? Of course, especially if you're talking about trans issues and you're not a trans person. Of course, you're going to have something to say, but we're over here building a foundation, something that will be here long after we are gone or something that will stand as a testament to our thoughts, our ideas, how we felt about stuff, our voice. So don't try and don't. And I've also been dealing with a lot of misogyny from um, cis black gay men who every time you challenge them it's like they just shut down and well this is my page or shut up and they black you and I really need some of y'all cis black gay men to really um, confront that and um, examine it in yourselves why is it that your first reaction is to tell me to shut the fuck up like why is that like why like why can't we have a conversation um, and I, like I said, I'm no, this, I'm not, I'm not new to dealing with, um, black, cis, um, black gay men in this way. Cause even in the activism space, it was like a lot of times it would, it would just be this overt misogyny. And it's like, no, we're not going to shut the fuck up just because we're saying something that you don't like. That's not how any of this works. This is a talk space. It's a con, this is a conversational space. So we should all be able to, um, say what we have to say and in the face of you saying something ignorant we should also be able to push back and counter that with our lived experience mm. like it's just certain but stuff we're not sh- telling you what nobody told us we telling you what we know first right right so it's just it's unfortunate and i i just feel bad for the other people because when you just had that type of mindset that, well, I'm just going to shut down and I'm not engaged. It's like, well, you're going to come to a point where you say the wrong thing to the wrong person. And then you run the risk of, um, you know, saying stuff that you can't take back. And then mm-hmm. you have to deal with the whole cancel culture. And, and I also want to challenge us to, um, really question whether people are actually being canceled because if you're still able to get monetized opportunities um after you do something stupid then such you're not really canceled it's just people and so trying- then that's what really it is so what we're calling cancel culture now is a stigma or the shame yeah. of what you've done and something yeah, it's actually people trying to hold you account it's actually people trying to hold you accountable for the dumb shit that you say that part so I, I guess we say all this to say, please watch the live from last week. Um, it was it was very entertaining, and we talked about we talked about a lot. And um, pivoting to the last little thing I want to discuss before we go to our main topic for today. You know, it's been it's it's been really a struggle for me to sit and see um, black cis women like really struggle and grapple with letting go of this like white femininity um like complex that is really supported by white supremacy Mm -hmm. so um kim foster who um 
is like the leader of Fort Harriet, she put up a, um, she's a black cis woman, she put up a status basically saying the same thing, like, um, you know, she's not critiquing black women for wanting to be feminine, but if their version of femininity specifically excludes trans women, that is really white supremacy and like black mm-hmm. cis women really need to like grapple with that because like femininity that excludes other other types of women is inherently like white supremacists. Now, can you, okay, so now I, um, I want us to take a second there because I can hear people going, huh? And I know it's because people think that white supremacy is a tool and a mantle that only white people can have. Right. And I think also no one has really pushed back on how we have internalized a lot of views about ourselves and about our voices and about our people and what they should look like and how they should act. All of those tools were given to us by a system designed to oppress and control us. And so I feel like I wanted to take a moment right here to just take a pause and say, and, and now if you could, sis, can you tie this into, cause you said how these black women are embracing ideas of white feminism and white supremacy. Unpack white feminism and what you mean when you, when you speak of a white feminism, cause some would argue feminism is feminism. So can you elaborate? Well, um, of course. So I like how Ashley Marie Preston breaks that down, um, breaks this concept down. It's like, you know, you don't have to be white to enforce white supremacy or to benefit from white supremacy. So you could still eat the, from the crumbs of ra- of racist tables if you, you know, are upholding white supremacy. What, in my opinion, how I break this down is basically in a nutshell is this if you are if you are trying to live up to this binary that men are this and women is this women are this that is that is like rooted in this colonial thought which is supported by religion and is supported by you know men you know men do the this the men have these attributes and it, um women are feminine and women mm-hmm. are in the home and they have these attributes and they have right. vaginas and stuff like that that those are constructs that like are inherently like colonial and rooted in white supremacy what i have personally been seeing is black cis women also attempting to like uphold this binary like well you're not like you see it with the arguments that they um, use mm-hmm. against trans women. It's just like, well, you don't have a vagina. And you oh, can't. Yeah, yeah, the definition, defining womanhood based on a set of characteristics that not even all women have. Right. Like the ability to bear children, the ability yeah, you to, have have to be able to have a pussy, ability to be able to bleed every month, the ability to be able to, you know, um, to do all these things that are stereotypes and that all bodies, even female bodies, aren't able to do and that doesn't make them any less woman either. Having a child does not make you a woman. It doesn't make you, it doesn't, it does not, that's not what it is that makes you who you are. It is a part of your experience and it is a gift that no one will deny. But you're right, sis. It's, it's really using, it's them falling into that kind of 
narrow mindset that is given to them by an oppressor of what a, what a woman is, the definition of it, the respectability of it, and how it should maneuver. When we know culturally around the world that women are diverse, but however, black people tend to be these arbiters of this ancient ideal of what is a, how a, how a, how a good woman is supposed to act. And that's why they even can overlook black women that are not as that are that are different that are disabled that they may see as unattractive or or even heavy and they can devalue them it's because they're still trying to hold to a standard that is not them and they don't realize it but e but even like but even like when black cis women like espouse that like they don't even like societally they're not set up to live up to that standard all of that like pussy woman babies delicacy in the house that is a femininity that is only reserved and only works for white women or only benefits white women because black femininity black femininity and black womanhood or like if you just want to be black cis womanhood is just as queer and just as strange as black trans femme womanhood like and it's because Black saying, when you compare womanhood to this like 1950s beaver cleaver ideal where there's no there's no stress in the house other than you know oh my god he hurt his leg like whereas in the black world we know how many levels of awesomeness black women have to be just to even navigate day-to-day -day moving around so i get what you're saying your their experience is just as queer or as queer compared to the normal culture queer being strange in this case right. as ours as yeah. black trans women, like we have more similarities than differences. Let me say right. That. So when they like when they when black cis women talk about like you like you like you look like a tranny or you look like a man or why are you so strong or like those type of insults that they hurl at us, like white society is also hurling those same insults at you y'all because y'all don't fit up to this traditional white femininity. Look at all of the memes and everything that people have to say about Serena Williams, uh, Michelle Obama, like that, like that type of stuff is real. And that as soon as a, a black woman gets in a position or is superior, it's like, let us um, tear down her physically or let us kind of um, really try to challenge her femininity or her womanhood by comparing her to a man or comparing her to an animal. So I think I had made a comment, like a lot of the stuff that y'all say about us is all, can also be said and be true about y'all. Because y'all are, are not meant to inherit this white femininity. And the, the, the sooner that we can learn to um, decolonize our mind and to really uh, challenge the gender binary and really eradicate the gender binary, then the more, the better it will be for all of us. Because then black trans women could we could still be doing us because we're because because of who we are, we're always transgressing the binary. We're always we who we are challenges the binary because we're showing that you can live outside of it and define womanhood on your own terms. But the, it will also be beneficial for black cis women because they wouldn't have to feel like they have to play into these tropes to um, keep a man or their strength wouldn't be seen as something that like as something negative about them. We could we could live in a society that supports them as being 
um, powerful black cis one instead of us feeling instead of them feeling like they have to be beaten down or they have to conform into a box oftentimes to get a man who's not even worthy of them and can't even appreciate them and it just it just it just it I don't want to say it concerns me because I feel like this is ne- like this um, uncomfortability is necessary for ev- for us to evolve as like a community and like sisters and women, but it's just, it's really it just it's just difficult for me to watch like because you because you want to feel like black cis women get it because like to me I see us as all sisters going through like the same thing with differences but just to see. Black cis woman like cling on to this. Well, you have a penis, so you're a man, and I have a vagina, and I'm better than you. It's just like y'all are doing the same thing that white people are doing. Like, I just wish people could just step outside of themselves to see it, but it's all a process. It's all. It's all. So I try, and I try not to. I try not to be too harsh because between black cis men and black cis women. Black cis women, because of our position in life, they're the first, even if they are transphobic or they they are problematic, they're quicker to work through their problems and be there for Black LGBT people and Black trans women sooner than Black cis men would. So I, you know, I want to give graces to Black cis women because our position in life will make us have to join forces and make us have to see eye to eye sooner than later. And black cis women, you know, have carried me through my journey in many ways, but it just, it just is, um, it's just difficult to see them to cling to what is comfortable to them, even though it's so toxic. Right, right, right. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I was trying to mute for the storm and I'm forgetting and I, I try to come in girl and then you'd be missing me. I'm sorry. But, um, it's, it's amazing because, I believe that we don't, we have to unpack the way, first of all, I think black women, those of us that have achieved a level of financial success, because I want to also give black women a shout out right now. Like we're doing as a people, black women, and that includes trans women, as a people, black women, we're doing really well as far as in some of the strides that we've been able to make for in our personal financial futures and our educational futures and for the futures of our families. And we are and we have been the bedrock and the backbone of movement. Here, black women, is where we must now remember that our white sisters, our co-workers, the girls in our neighborhood that are that are baking the cupcakes and doing all the extra shit with our kids and all of that stuff and great, that they at the end of the day have the ability to deny you at the polls every time. And if you look at how white women vote, I want you to understand <laughs> that you, we as a people, we as black women don't have the luxury nor the ability to ignore how white white feminism has basked in this white pure privilege. No, 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 you can't be black. No, 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 you can't be Latina. No, 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 you can't be different. No, 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 because we need to get women in the building. And they did it on the backs of all of the minority groups that actually helped start the movement. 
And so what we need to now do is we take back our own power as black women in general and stop dividing along things that do not serve us as a collective. Because meanwhile, we are one of the most violated, abused, marginalized, and murdered community, black women in general in the world. So black women, we don't have the luxury of dividing out between what group we want to be okay talking about in blackness because blackness in general is not something that any of us that is cis, trans, black, Latin black, anything with melanin baby, Anything Brazil, all the all the nations of Africa, any by one that is multiracial that does not fit into that European standard, we don't have the luxury in this time where we have someone in office that is in a place where they don't give a damn about social norms of conformity or trying to bridge, build bridges or heal. They want to destroy and take apart and make profit off all of us. So what we have to do is come together. And I am disappointed, like my sister said, in a lot of the ways in which we allow petty shit to pull us apart. Petty shit. Because at the end of the day, we still the backbones for our families. We still taking care of our mothers and our kids and our families. We still going and getting up to work every day and making more, a lot of times more money than our husbands. We still are, are still doing everything we can to be present in our children's lives. And all of it is sometimes thankless. And what we don't do is spread enough love to each other. And I want to challenge Black women to remember how hard it is to be a Black woman. And also remember that there are some black women that don't even get love from black people. So we need other, our black sisters to love on us even more because we know that in misogyny, anything different, anything feminine, feminine bodies are worthless in a, in a misogyny world. You know why? Because we have moved on from Sandra Bland and no investigation was really done really deeply, deeply like that. And her name really is barely mentioned. The fact that Breonna Taylor isn't is equally yelled as loud, we know why. And it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to be each other, be our sister's keeper. And that's sisters of all kinds. And I just want to challenge that online in the world that we stop looking for reasons to hate one another and learn that I am nothing without you and you are nothing out me without me. And that we are all a part of God's body. And if you don't, internalize that in your mind you will be broken and we will be lost as a people because we will be fighting and again we are under attack black women so let's stop that yeah and an, an acknowledgement of, of tr black trans women does not take anything away from black cis women like just because we are fully acknowledged in the space doesn't mean that like that, that's a and that whole argument is that that if you let us in there'll be less of you or you won't be as appreciated that's like white supremacy at its core because white supremacy teaches us that there's only x amount of spaces for the different people so we have to um pick each other off or cannibalize each other in order to get that one space and that, that's not what this is just because you acknowledge me and like what are we what are we fighting for like the affection of a man like girl no like that uh, for me that's not what it's about like i don't like this whole competition and i just want i just 
I just want one day for that that ideal to not even be on the table. Like you can acknowledge my womanhood, I can acknowledge your womanhood, and we can be sisters together, like laterally on like on the same plane. Like it's it's not we're taking like we, but the whole the whole idea that we're taking over it it doesn't even acknowledge that we've already been here. We've already been in spaces with you. We've already been sharing um, spaces and build and being in sisterhood with you. We didn't just get here. So I, I just hope that we can evolve to something else, but it's just, it's just, it's a very painful because you like, it's just like, you want your sisters to get it. You just, you just want them to get it. But um, ho- hopefully one day, Hopefully one day everybody gets it and we can all be more supportive of each other. So now we're going to turn to our our main topic of the day. We promised you guys that we would do a deep dive of the Disclosure documentary. If you have not seen the Disclosure documentary, then spoiler alerts um you should have already seen it we're definitely we're not going to be like discussing stuff scene by scene i think it'll be more helpful if we could just um talk about things that stuck out to us from the documentary and just um what do we want to see going forward as far as trans representation and media so i'm a i'm a are you ready to go first online us i am go ahead sis Oh, um, so on disclosure? Yes. So let me tell you what I loved about that documentary and let me tell you what I thought could have done more, a little more of. Mm. Because there's nothing perfect. No. And I feel like every opportunity that every opportunity where transness is discussed is an opportunity to have a full conversation. And if I see that a part is missed, I feel a responsibility as an advocate, but also as an educator, as someone that is a as is, is, is that has dedicated their life to educating the world on trans people and as someone that is a part of a, a thought leader now, I thought it was imperative for me to point out that everything wasn't perfect. However, what was great about it, sis? was that it articulated on so many levels the way trans people the first they talked about how the app the how there's an how there was an absence of 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 representation and then how there was you know there were people that were being these parodies of trans women and then how how that how that affected america and the narrative that people could laugh at someone that looked gender non-conforming on site regardless of where you are, what you are, where you, you know, whether you're transitioning or not, it gave uh, the way media has programmed America is to laugh when someone that is gender non-conforming comes on because why we find that comedic just on site. So then, even though that wasn't necessarily the comedic intent, because there is not then the opposite representation on media of successful, happy, positive trans images, then you end up with people being left to guess, right? About like, what in the world are these people? Where in the world do they come from? What do they believe in? And I only have these select few images to go. And then I love how they talked about even when trans people were represented in media, that the trans people were 
I guess the words I want to say, marginalized in a way that they, like how Black people were in the beginning of cinema, where they could only do maids and mammies and certain roles, where how trans people were relegated to being like hooker number three, dead hooker number one, um, you know, certain like characteristics. And then when they showed the person that when they were- Psychotic murderer. Psychotic murderer number five. Like it, it was just so many different levels. And then what they unpacked was too, was how even the, how the fan, the, the, the curiosity with our bodies led to having episodes on TV where you had a trans, a real trans person playing a role. Congratulations to Candace, Candace Kane for being able to play that role. Cause I want to know, I want her to know that this ain't us critiquing you sis, you got, you did what you had to do. And because of you, there was some trans woman out there that could know that they could be an actress. So I'm not, there's no read for her, mm-hmm. but in that moment, you would, they talked about a scene where she was on a show and the investigators, after they found, they, they showed, it was a very brutal trans murder that she, that she went through. And she talked about the experience of her not really kind of knowing all of what the other cast members were gonna say. So she's laying on the ground and they, are, they begin to start saying, look how big her hands are, look how big her feet are, look at, look at, and then they lift up her dress and say, we, it's a man. And like, it was just one of the, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fierce moment. Girl, that, that I would have had to I would have had to come up from the dead and be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm the out. fact that she could sit there was like, <laughs> bitch, I lift you, Candace, bitch. That coin was severe. I know it was. But Anne Hill Harper was in that scene. <laughs> even that. more so. I would have got up and kicked him directly in his world. <laughs> anyway, girl. So all allegate, all, you know, all jokes, all jokes, all jokes. Of course, I'm not a violent person. But anyway, the um, the the point I was trying to make by bringing that up was was that it just showed how like we went from no representation and then, and then having these men win Oscar awards for representing us, and without ever looking at the fact that there's a whole fucking community of us wandering around on the streets that are talented, that have gone to Juilliard, that have gone to all of the drama schools you can imagine because we're talented people, darling. We've actually made movies and written scripts and we can do all of these things, but you refuse to look at trans talent. No, 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 no. What you'll do is you'll go get a man and put him in drag and then compliment him on how womanly he was by giving him an award at the backs of the people he was trying to say he represented, but y'all supposed to be woke and and advanced. Anyway, so, but it went from that moment in time to then bringing it forward to how like there was representation on TV, but it was negative to how like where we are now, where we're able to have a more critical discourse, but you're still having pushback from the larger world from accepting that these people are normal and a part of everyday life. Now, here's my critique. My critique was, was though they did mention it, I would have loved in something about disclosure to unpack the misnomer of why black trans women are being killed. I would love to have had that conversation brought in and I would love to have had maybe it even talk just even as even in a in a in a in a more upfront tone about the severity of the world to tune in right now and be concerned that we're being slaughtered in mass. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
So I just would have loved just a little more like emphasis on that. I get that they wanted it to be like disclosure light. Like, oh, now I feel enlightened. You know, enough for people to get the get the, the business without making them feel too stressed. I get it. But I think we also should have that sting when we have people that are being chopped up and thrown in the lake. Amen. <laughs> We're laughing ironically at yeah. shifted and how people can get lose the bigger picture, darling. And so while I appreciate that and it was fab, yeah, let's let's talk about it now. That was kind of severe, girl. Like I feel like if she was a white trans woman and was cut up in half like that, it would be she would be the Casey Anthony story, bitch. Like it would be look what what happened to what was the little girl name? Um John Bonnet. It would be the John Bonnet Ramsey story, girl. If it were and I, and that's being real. And that's like what we're saying, Black women. We, in general, don't have the luxury of dividing because when one of us is getting chopped in half, guess who we going home to lay with? You. You have, you have the dude that took the time to cut someone in half and mutilate their face laying next to you at night. And you wondering why you getting beat and you wondering why you mad at the trans women that he going to chop in half when you don't realize the same violent criminal of a man is laying next to you and you're up, propping up misogyny when you try to tear down another woman based on characteristics that we all, if you really want to be real, if you're going off of these Eurocentric on TV ad made for TV, made by Mattel ass bodies we see on TV, we, none of us really meet the standard. So let's all join together. Let's cut the bullshit. Let's remember that womanhood is also, there are butch, shout out to my butches, shout out to my studs and my aggressive, shout out to the women the, the the female bodied individuals that are that don't consider themselves men that are still women that are also denied when you try to make femininity this little pink and bows and uterus and children and you got to live this lifestyle and have a husband no no fuck all that womanhood is diverse and we have to acknowledge all parts of it and be trying to get free because quiet as is kept hmm. a lot of us standing on the back of some of them strong women we try to ignore not that part. Uh, <laughs> the the I I enjoy the documentary. Um, I thought it was very inf in, insightful. I also think it was heavy because um, I think one one of the highlights in the documentary were the um, scenes with Jen Richards because like a lot of times she would say shit and I would be like bitch. Like the like, she really shot straight to my um, heart with some of the stuff that she said. But one of the first things that she said at the beginning of the documentary is for like for every trans person, you have like this catalog of media in your head of like different trans representations that you've seen over time because they have they there have been so few, um, and also. I like how they um, frame that media. I like how they really frame how the media, uh, the rep the media representation is so important because there's so few portrayals, and because um, and because mainstream America really they don't have any personal references for trans people in their lives. So they rely so heavily on media representation. So it's imperative that we get it right. Um, also, I feel like this documentary has reveals the fact that y'all niggas actually do know who we are. 
because y'all have been um, making fun of us and putting us in movies since the beginning of actual movies. So it's just like, I kind of, I kind of like this um, narrative. I, I really like how they really went back into history and um, how they just went back into history and was like, and it just, it gives you the sense of comfort as a trans person because people always try to tell you that you're crazy or you're doing something new that's never been done before. And that's like, no, for every trans person that there actually was in history, there was also some sort of other movement to silence them and to erase them or to um, make them funny or to, and do all of these things to take away their humanity. So I really love the historical aspect of the um, documentary. Um, one, one, of the, one of the things that was interesting to me, it was this Asian trans woman and she would she would be she would she was talking about how when people would meet her and find out that she was trans they would always ask her have you seen this this movie about trans people and butterfly have you and she said it would happen all of the time and i kind of i kind of feel like it's similar with my experience where it will be like well have you like do you know who rupaul is or and it kind of speaks to like how powerful media representations are, how like if they don't, if people don't actually know a trans person, they know this one representation, even if it's good or it's bad, and they kind of use it to predict like who you are as a person without ever getting to know you, to try to put you into the box. And it kind of speaks to the power of these representations. And I think Jen had brought up um, a, a narrative of how when she first told somebody that she was trans, her friend had told her, oh, you're trans like Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs. Wow. Buffalo Bill, who was a serial mass murderer. Oh, who would I know exactly who collect, was. Who would collect women and, drag. Yeah. and skin them and wear their skin. So he could be, but it, again, it goes to speak to the powerful, uh, the power of media representations and how if you have the the wrong representation, how it can really impact actual people from that community. Because I'm pretty sure it's probably um, still people who don't like trans people or don't know trans people or who refuse to watch Pose and their only reference of trans people is Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. Or who, or who laugh at trans people on site because they genuinely have been only trained to see people like Shanae and people that look like um, Joanna Man and people that look like, you know, all of these things that have our slurs that have been lobbed at trans women because they think that's funny and they genuinely don't realize how what can be funny can also be dramatic, triggering, and perpetuate a narrative that is getting people killed. Right. Because if you don't take my life seriously, and it, when I'm navigating and you think it's funny, then it doesn't matter as much sometimes to people that are already sick and on the fringe and depraved and have an agenda or 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 are emotionally disturbed and looking to looking to have a victim. They look at our community as someone that everyone laughs at. So then if that is who we that is who we can take out this rage on. 
And so then you're inadvertently, by not taking trans lives seriously, you're inadvertently encouraging people to not take our lives or our murder seriously. And it makes us more and more of a target. That's really what we're saying. I think Black people think that we're blaming them specifically and individually, all Black people are the cause. What we're saying is, is that your silence communicates to predators that no one cares. That's all we're saying. If you would just get, just muster up just a little bit of get up and go about it, just a little bit of BET, just a little bit of just, come on, come on, BET, come on, girl. Like, if you could just get up and just a little bit of get up and go, we could actually do great change to make people who are preying on us, the predators, be like, oh, shit, let me stop. Let me not. Let me handle these girls with a little more grace because, see, people looking now, they caring. It's going to be a thing. Like, I can't get away with saying no more. Oh, it was it, the nigga tricked me. I can't say that anymore when now the world is observing and caring and, 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 and are getting inside, outside of themselves and getting and putting themselves inside the mind of what it's like for someone that's just your neighbor, that's around the block from you, that has done you no harm being killed. And most of the community not saying a fucking word. Like we gotta, as a people do better. And I feel like all of our topics today, if we could sandwich them, it's also remembering to include Black trans lives, Black queer lives, Black non-conforming lives and experiences because we don't have the luxury. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, this document, it was just so many, um, it was just so many gems from this documentary that were, that are true to life. Um, also, um, Jen also brought up a, um, another good point um, in reference to like cis men who play trans roles. And she said that um, she feels like cis men playing trans women is a direct um, link to the violence that trans women experience. Um, because, and she explained how men have in this head that these trans women are really men tricking them and it kind of feeds that tricking narrative. Mm. And they show when um, this man who played a trans woman won the Oscar award it's like you know this is the image this is the image that people have that oh you might be playing a trans role but really you're a man and you're gonna go accept this award with facial hair and she kind of compared it to when you had actual trans women play the role play actual trans roles when these people see these trans women like out of their role and then their regular life people could see that they're still just regular trans women and that that kind of visual makes an impact. Um, also, I liked how they talked about the crying game and kind of like the, the snowball effect of that movie. I don't think I've ever seen the crying game, the movie, but it's something that has been referenced a lot, especially in black culture. Like, I've heard it referenced a lot in other TV shows and music. And just the, um, I like how they talked about how another, like, we're either, like, trans folks, we're either jokes um, or we're either, like, things that you can be, it's okay to be violent towards us or it's okay to have, like, a, a, 
a reaction towards us of being like sick and vomiting. And then they, like after the crime game, they had like a list of films where when a man found out that the woman was trans, he just vomited or got sick. And it's like that messaging, like that constant messaging teaches us that, you know, trans people are disgusting, that we're sick and that we're not like, our, you know, we're not, our bodies are not something to be, you know, joyful or pleasure. It's something that's repulsive. And, that, you know, that's a powerful image. And for me to not even have seen the movie, but to have heard about it, like that movie really had a like an impact on us. I agree. I agree. And I feel like we, part of what people don't get is I'm somebody's child. If we could, all the mothers out there, all of the, the parents out there, if you could wrap your mind around the concept that you could bring something in the world that you think is beautiful, that may not be perfect in everyone else's eyes, but to you is perfect. And everything about what God gave you feels like a blessing and you feel like, part of your purpose is making sure that this blessing knows that it is a blessing. And then to think that now you or your child could go out and see someone else's blessing and just tear down that blessing and tear that person that they don't belong and then not even be concerned when that person that you went to school with, that person that was at your elementary school, that person that was at your high school, that person that's in your community that you saw all the time is gone from a, someone that was depraved enough to kill them and dismantle their body and the notion that as a parent that doesn't do something to you, it makes me wonder sometimes how much parents really say they are really, really understanding what true love for a child is. Because you have to love other people's children. You have to know that you're responsible, that other people are other people's blessings, that these people are doing the best that they can to support these babies and help them be good human beings. And that's children of all ages. I know even mature parents that are still concerned about their adult children and want them to succeed and are doing the best that they can, investing in them, helping them when no one will hire them, trying to send money to these babies, trying to empower them, trying to do the best they fucking can to keep their child from dying or being killed. And one of your children or you is coming and slaughtering them down and we all stand around silent. Why? Because that's an undesirable. And I'm only concerned about my child, not realizing that there's a mass murderer amongst us. And all of your children are vulnerable because when people think like that, you don't know what difference they're going to decide tomorrow is going to be something they're going to go after. We have to eradicate evil wherever it is. And I think that it's important that I draw that analogy for our parents out there because I think people miss what they say they're trying to do. You cannot be concerned only about your child and miss the ecosystem and the environment that they're growing up in if there are people out there slaughtering other people's children. We have to remember to have empathy in times like this.
because we don't have the luxury again as black people to not come together. And I, and, and I'm reiterating that in this because I feel like all of these topics are once again, us trying to say the same shit over and over again to the larger black community that we love you and we want you to love us back and stop aborting us as if we're nothing. As if our lives, our gifts, our parents, our families, our husbands, and our communities don't matter. As if the people that are invested in trying to make us succeed aren't doing the best they fucking can to help us while you trying to tear us down. So you're tearing your own people down, not just the one trans person you see. When you kill one of us, you are killing off the hopes and happiness of a lot of people for that person. And you have to remember that we are all human. Also, I think it's important to um, remember that we have to question the the images and the messaging that are being that are, is being fed to us about who trans folks are. Just like we have to question the messaging that's being fed about who we are as Black folks, because it's a very like intentional. It's very it's very intentional and it's very powerful. Yes, girl, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry, girl. I'm just, it's just this. No, that, that's, that, I think that's the beautiful thing about this documentary is that all of the, the bad messaging about trans people, it was all intentional and it all, but it all achieved this desired effect. Um, like, again, from the, um, from, like, just from trans people being as characters us being murdered all the time or when people find out that we're trans they're vomiting uh, about uh they're you know they're throwing up in response to who we are or they get ill or they get violent also um they brought up a good point about how how we're also we're always um prostitutes or escorts or in like some type of black market thing but there's never an explanation given as to why we're in those professions it's just like so then it creates the assumption that oh this is just what they do but it's really no further explanation to give well why are trans women always in these roles or why are they always associated with this work and like the people know but again it's very deliberate to push a narrative or to push an agenda um about who we are but i guess um it also um um what's her name um um candace kane when her character um debuted on dirty sexy money now i didn't watch that show but i remember when that happened because it was a big deal Bitch, she her character debuted on Dirty Sexy Money, bitch, and they modulated her voice down like three octaves. Like it's stuff, it's, it's stuff like that that cis folks are intentionally doing behind the scenes to like promote a narrative. And I'm so happy that this documentary existed so we could like really pull the layer back or pull the rock up to see all of the bugs under it to see that this shit was intentional the whole time. But that, but. It just it just goes to show how late people are. Like it's it's just like you can't even let people be kind. Like we can't even be kind and be the the beautiful creatures that and just live our lives without it being some type of um, angle that cis people are trying to get out of it. it. Usually at our expense, at our humanity. I have a question for you now, sis. Uh huh. So what I love about my sister, and this is her mantra: I'm about solutions. So now, what, in your opinion, would be a good solution 
for people that are listening right now that are empathetic to what we're saying, that are saying, gosh, this is really affecting me. Like, I really get it. But what the fuck do I do? What am I supposed to do at hearing that BET is doing this? What am I supposed to do at hearing you guys point out very good points, but where in the ecosystem is it for me to get in? Where, what do I do and how do I get a part of it? Now, mind you, everybody has lives and busy. So we're not saying, and, 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 and I can see people saying, I have, I'm like, if y'all, you know, like we were saying about black women, I can hear a lot of black women saying right now, yes, but I have all kinds of practices with my three children. I have all kinds of events and things. I have, I have a life. I have a, a full-time job and a husband, child. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. Or I have a wife and I have a family or, you know, or I'm homeless or I'm struggling. Like, how, what are some ways, I guess, that people can, without like breaking the bank or reinventing their lives, help us drive home our representation and some of the things we've discussed in disclosure and stuff like that? Um, one, I, I just think is it's simple stuff. It's just ch- challenge. I think it's just challenging what you see, like who wrote it? Is it, is it written by, is it written by trans people? Or tra- is it trans people in the writing room? Or like, like, what is the story? Or I don't, I just, I don't think it require, it, it requires like the lay person to do anything. Cause really in reference to this disclosure um, conversation, this is in reference to like what Hollywood should be doing, what media should be doing and how they really need to dismantle structures of racism and homophobia and transphobia. So we, so we get more diverse and accurate representations on TV. I feel like as far as everyday people, like consume what you want to consume, but just know if it's related to a particular community, I just implore you to just research it a little more and question, um, like what is the intent of the art or who, like who, like who's a part of it? Cause I think like who is playing a part in the work matters. Like I like how they, um, in disclosure, how they brought it to the to the day's time, and they were talking about polls and all of these other shows. Like the fact that specifically in polls that these stories feature trans women of color, but not only are they in front of the screen, the trans people are also behind the screen. They're in the writers' room. They're in the director's chair. Um, they're producers. So it 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 gives it, it makes the story more complex and it's more layered and it's more nuanced. So I think for the regular lay person, the, just question what you're watching. Just, just question um, what you're watching and just push back or, re, or or something is based in history, actually go and look up the history and see, did it really happen like this? Or did Hollywood cut something out? And that goes back to when they were talking about Boys Don't Cry. Bitch, I didn't know that it was a black man that also died in addition to Brandon Tina. I thought it was just Brandon Tina that got murdered. But it was actually um, a black cis man who was his friend, um, who was also murdered, that they discussed him in the documentary of Brandon Tina, but they never, they totally whitewashed and erased him. I ain't that the gag girl. And also, and they also talked about the movie Stonewall, how that was a whitewasher. So I think with the regular lay person, and now because of the renaissance that we're having in the trans community, because of so many voices, now the regular person has access to so much information and so many perspectives. And we have to get, we have to start recondition ourselves to to think that 
if question it, question it, or do a little research. If you do a little research on Stonewall, you will see that this was not no movement started by some white twink that came to the village in 1969 that it was actually led by queer people of color. But um, I, I kind of, the beauty of this film is I, th I think it kind of challenges the average person to question and to push back and to um, really look at like the the collection of movement movies or pieces are saying, what are these things saying to me? And should I question them? Um, but but yeah, I feel like as far as Hollywood, I feel like we're going there. My personal critique, especially in reference to trans women on screen, I want to see even more diverse storytelling. And when I say diverse, I don't want to see um, conventionally attractive um, trans people of color. I want I want some regular looking bitches like myself on on TV. I want to see some big dark skinned bitches have some sex scenes as trans women. Like I want us as far as far as our representation to go further and to push it further and to tell um, more stories. And I personally don't have a problem if um, trans women or trans people are going to be sex workers in the story but i definitely want some context because i feel like even in the sex work world a lot of trans folks have different motivations for wanting to be sex workers and it, it and not every trans person that's a sex worker is out on the street as well either so i just i want us as a culture to not get um caught up in like the like either the um janet mock exotical trend like that's the only acceptable trans image or like the amaya scott like there's a lot of us out of out here that are regular looking that are still gorgeous and beautiful but are like living like full lives and whose story needs to be told i one day i i want to finish working on my script for my show that i want to do that tell i want to see more dark skin um trans women on tv i don't feel like it's enough of that so i really feel like we as a community have a uh, um, ways to go as far as our own um representation and we're not finished yet but um for the regular people just just question what you're seeing just, like everybody likes to say oh gay people or trans people y'all have an agenda but what this documentary shows is that no y'all bitches are actually the ones with the agenda and for the longest time you've actually been successful at it and that's led to like the fucked up lives that we've had to lead over the years and now we're starting to reach a turning point so we we got it you got a question um the image that you're, that you're saying now what i will say one of the best parts of the documentary was me finding out about um who sandra caldwell is now bitch as long as i have been black and queer and trans and i i like to think that i know everything and i know everybody but to know that there was this black regal trans woman who's been in all of these black ass movies just being regal and you know just acting and just being in the mix knowing that she is one of us bitch i gag i gag i fucking gag it was gagging for me too girl like i was like okay, okay. and then i was like wow 
I was like, who they is not this? rushing to buy her story, bitch. If they're not rushing to buy her story, whoever, <laughs> they better get that bitch movie right ASAP. Janet, if you got a girl, listen, call your people. Y'all better get her story. Because that woman there has a tale to tell. Right, Let's bitch? Not. I was like, who is this Aunt Carga on screen? Like, who is, and then once, and then once we got in, I was like, bitch, bitch. I was like, she is good. I'm like, where has she been? I'm like, why, why am I just learning about her? And this is why. I like I no longer say I'm the first anything because we really don't know like where trans folks especially black trans folks have existed and because a lot of because we had a lot of us especially back in the day we had to be so or the powers that be even in a black community have erased our stories we really don't know when and where we existed. So I know I no longer say I'm the first anything. I might be the first like open or visible, but I don't want to disrespect the history of the people that came before me and that were doing stuff in the in the shadows and the silence so that you know we could all be open today. But like learning about her was just con- was just more confirmation that like bitch we've been here. We and we and she was in like black ass movies. That's the gag. That's the gag. And girl, listen, I was like, you know what? Like you said, I don't even want to say first on the internet no more, bitch. Cause no, cause you can't say that. You don't know. You don't know nothing about nothing. The only thing you know is that people came before you had to survive in a world where it was illegal, where down south they called them crimes against nature. And you could literally be locked up just for getting caught in existence. So, and that was until very recently. Some of these laws weren't even changed until the 90s, into the thousands in some in some precincts in Louisiana. So let's not get it twisted. It is, we live in a world where it has been criminal to be black and exist and be trans in this world and have, and just, and just maneuver. And it was violent and it's always been violent and it still is. But yeah, like my sister said, like the idea that this woman, do you understand the landmines, darling? Do you understand how her dating life had to be set up? Do you understand how like her whole, like, I can't even imagine what it was like to like, because she, cause she, cause she doesn't look like Trini Lish. Like she looks like your mama or your auntie in the. Like she, like she has a bit. Like and she talked about in the documentary how it was like I just when did we all get free all of a sudden when she started seeing the girls on TV? Because she was like, wait a minute, nobody told me? Because she has still had to navigate all the way up until very recently as still wondering and worrying if somebody would just just, just completely ruin her whole life by telling her business. Like, that is intense. And so that's why I said her story, oh my God. Yeah, but I, if, if not for nothing else, I'm glad I got to discover who she was and I look forward. And like, even I remember watching the Cheetah Girls and I just thought that she was just some black lady. I didn't know, like, like she was in Cheetah Girls, bitch. The first Cheetah Girl, like, so it just goes to show that like, even when you're not paying attention to us, even when you try to discredit us, even when you try to remove us, BET, like we we have always been there. We've always been in the backgrounds. We've always, you know, been with y'all. It's just like y'all have never given us the space 
for us to really acknowledge ourselves in that way. So I'm just really happy that um, I got to learn a little bit about her story. I definitely look forward to seeing more of her and to, to hearing more of her. And mm-hmm. I also look forward to unearthing more of our history. Like it, to me, it's just so affirming and so powerful to me to know that not only like did we exist, but like we existed and did some like big shit even in the 1800s or even like I'm look I want to know about the slaves that existed the the trains and the queer slaves like because now I know that they existed and now exactly. thank and, god for the internet girl shout out to the internet because there's some things I would have never gotten in at Southeast Regional Library in 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 Hopkins South Carolina I would have never 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 gotten it from my local library you see what I'm saying right and there was no amount of researching in the world that would have given me access to what the internet has emptied up, what has made available to these youth now. And I'm proud at how their, that exposure to information has informed them and has empowered them to just be these whole new creatures that don't even feel like they have to fall to any type of stereotypes or boundaries on gender and expression. So I, I shout out to the people that are younger because they're just, I just, just maybe just rethinking, just recontextualizing like the idea that this lady had to be for lawless for so much of her life socially, you know, in order for this to work. And then how, like, how she said, it was just like she looked up one day and it was like, what? I just, the idea that, you know, like how the slaves were read out at Galveston, they, they were read out the slave decree and they were told that they were free. Like, we didn't get like this transformative moment. It just was like, oh, we're interested in y'all now. Okay, cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like we we forget that the the media and its fascination with us has not necessarily aligned with the protections that we particularly need or the uh, or the interest in us in a way that is holistic. And so, yeah, like um shout out to I forget her name and i I'm really upset that we weren't we're not able to to say it here on this platform. Ooh. It's box number five twelve, the actress. Um, no, her name is Sandra Caldwell. Shout out to Sandra Caldwell. We, I'm glad that on Box Number Five Twelve podcast, we took the time to speak your name because that is powerful. That is powerful, and I. And if you ever want to come to us to tell your journey, we would love to have you. Amen. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, but that that. That was unexpected. That was bomb. I really enjoyed it. And also to know that she was a part of the ballroom scene too. And it's just so much talent that comes out of the, especially from the trans community that comes out of like the ballroom scene or the like the trans um that comes out of the trans community. Not the ballroom. Or like the, it comes out of the drag community. Um so yeah, I, I I live, but over overall, I feel like um, Disclosure was a great documentary. I feel like all cis people need to watch Disclosure because they are easily susceptible to the um, uh, images of how transness is portrayed in the media. Um, so I just feel like they need to watch it. And I feel like the biggest thing that regular people need to get is that you should be questioning everything especially especially um media you just have to question it because it's always a motive it's always um something behind it and if you like do your research especially on something that's supposed to be historical then um 
you will get the real information that Hollywood decided to leave on the, the, the cutting room floor. And a lot of times that stuff they leave out are like the most important pieces. And you have to think about, well, why would they leave this out? Exactly. Or why, why is every trans person that comes on C, CSI, why are they a prostitute? Why are they always being killed? So um, why were the only girls that were that were only people that I could really identify as trans women on Jerry Springer? Why is that some of the girls even first time seeing themselves on TV? Right, because no shade. That was the first time I saw um, not just trans women, but trans women who were like bursting and just like like no no no. Thank for me. That was my first time seeing because I remember seeing drag Ru, RuPaul as a child and people and I remember going now RuPaul was the first being that made me know hey it's possible now hold on what what's this now and then when my mama said that's a man and he come out of it I was like oh that's not me. And I was, you know, I was just thinking that it's not me. And so it wasn't until like Jerry Springer started coming on, and I remember being in high school watching it and going, "Oh, damn it, that's what it is." Because these people are saying they, this is who they've always been, and that's who I've always been. And so it was just an easy correlation. So shout out to Jerry Springer. And but the unfortunate problem about that is, is in my youth, I was able to see myself, but in what light? And at what expense to those women's dignity did that show kind of put them on? You know what I'm saying? Right. But but it's but it's so many legendary and iconic girls that had been on, you know, girls that are still living that were that once were on that show. And uh, yeah, Jerry Jerry Springer was a lot, but Jerry like especially like the look, like those girls on Jerry Springer look good. And it was just like, well, girl, if I want to be a girl, like this is it. So, and that's where they would also show a lot of shout out to my brothers. That's where they would show a lot of the trans men. That's where I really would see. Even though they didn't really call them trans men, which was kind of fucked up. They always made them say, I'm a girl. Right. Like, he's clearly a man. Like, there's no way that you're trying to tell me that that's the way that this happens. Like, even as a child, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Who, what nigga would say that? Like and that's why I was like, because in my mind, I, as a as a, I guess I could identify as someone that felt as a woman. I remember saying like, one nigga that would go through his whole life that would even lie for six months or twelve months or whatever the little storyline was, because we it was all these were paid appearances in a lot of cases. But, uh, <laughs> shout out to the people that I know that did it, girl. Get your money, sir. Get your money, you know. But. Yeah, like it was just amazing that they talked about how those shows in a lot of ways were um, uh, gave gave certain people a platform, and that people had people went on those shows because it did lead to other things. Now, let me let me ask you, how did you feel about? I wanted to, I dislike Arsenio Hall in a way that I never really, I, I already was, it was already a side eye for me, just in general. Just the whole, all of it. Some of the things he says sometimes, some of the way he carries on, and the whole like, I don't know what's your TTs and all that. Well, the idea that he asked that woman that question about what about her genitals, like the idea that he felt comfortable on live TV doing that to her, like it just was so cringing. It was so cringing. It was so cringing. Cause I was just like, damn, like. As a black man, you being fascinated with that woman's just, it just was so, ugh, I was, that was a part of it where I was like, damn, Arsenio, I, I didn't even, that missed me, and I wish I didn't know that about you. I just, I just think that as cringeworthy as, as that was, that was like the, that was the era 
back then, which le- which actually lasted until recently, until Laverne got um, Katie Couric together on her show. But um, it, it's just like it's just that that was the narrative for us when we went on shows that people thought it was choice to talk about our genitalia, and also we really didn't have a space for us to like reclaim our bodies and reclaim our um, identities in a way where we can have um, like front talks about our genitalia if we want to. So, um, and I feel like T.S. Madison kind of ushered, you know, when she came on the scene, she kind of ushered in a new era as far as the like non-op and the pre-op girls to really, um, to like reclaim that conversation and you know talk about it how we want to talk about it if we want to talk about it mm-hmm. but um i just think i'm just happy that we have this documentary so we can so people can't be like well i wasn't like that it's like actually since we have the clip from 1991 where you asked this lady um all so like it was you like it was you and we need to know it and we need to see it and you can choose to be accountable or not, but we need to see it so we know how bad it was, so we can know how good we need to be in the future. So, and you're speaking to, when you say that, you're talking about the idea that like, people don't want their stuff to be discovered? No, pe- no, people that were, that have like done something proud, like I could see- Yeah, Oprah in their past, I get what you're saying. Like yeah. the people that have like, like for example, if, if if God, I've never, I don't, to my knowledge, Jesus, I've, I don't know, I don't have nothing, you know, but, because <laughs> you know, the girls will, will seek it out, bitch, but, because I, I, I want to speak with humility, I don't know, you know, but I don't think I have nothing crazy, because I'm not that kind of person, and I've genuinely always wanted to, understood that I was going to be somebody important, no shade, so I've always tried to, like, keep my, keep my mouth a certain way, you know, so I don't. I'm, I feel confident in saying that I do believe that it is important that we know the full scope of a person. However, I am less likely to judge someone when it's a period of time that has passed. And let me tell you why. Because I know that I am an entirely different human being than I was at 21. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying as a trans person, because that's not what I'm saying. I was trans at 21. I'm saying I, as the way my mind thought, the way I saw the world, the way I thought, the person I imagined I was going to be, the, the things that I held as important, the materialism, like as a child, the way that I, and I consider that now at this age, child, you know what I'm saying? I'll be 37 next month. And, uh, well, month after next, praise the Lord. I don't want to rush it. <laughs> I'll be 31, I'll be 31 in, uh, 37 in August. And um, it's just one of those situations where you, I just see myself and I see the evolution of a human being. And I don't want to be a part of the, I see it, because I want to see it. Mm-hmm. But I also want to be able to contextualize when was it done, how have you lived your life since then? Was it ever addressed? Because see now, I do believe that it could be addressed now. Because I need to know if there has, if I have, if I can't see it in your works that there was an evolution, I should at least be able to address, question you on it, and get you to give me the statement that you that you. Because then I can. But if but if it's reasonable and I can see that you're you have a, you don't have a history or a pattern of it, 
and it's just a one-time slip. Yeah, okay, I'm able to forgive some shit because I know I've done some shit in my life. I am one of those people that have empathy and I understand what it is to evolve as a person. I have, I have not been a great person at all points in my life, always, and I'm sure everyone can identify with that. So I get it, but I, and I, but I do also feel for those people that we have said, okay, bitch, yeah, it, the, the, the verdict stands, you are problematic. What is the pathway to redemption? Because at a certain point, I'm the movement loses validity when it feels like we're all we all can be canceled at any moment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like when people are now using the internet as a way to wield the sword and to point at someone and say, "Get them!" Like when people are using their fan bases and, and to shame and to drive people into seclusion and like get them to lose their job or get them involved in shit like that. Like I, I see the way in which the way we move as a people now is positive in that we can as a community as a, of human beings decide what we think is right or wrong. But a problem with human beings as in mass deciding anything is that usually when the mass has decided and you're with the mass, you should probably question why the fuck you, where everyone agrees with you. You shouldn't be in the, I personally feel when you're in agreement with every, when you, when you're always in agreement with the majority, you have a problem because that means there's a whole group of people that you're ignoring. And so I don't like how the culture just turns on one person and overnight you are nothing to anyone without anyone investigating based on a video or live or YouTube. Like that's scary to me. And as I sit on this platform, I guess that's why I feel I always need to say, we're not canceling anyone. We're not going to do that. That's not because I, it's not that I don't think that people are worthy of being canceled, but I feel like in cancel culture, the people who are really, really impacted by it are the minority groups primarily. Because in a lot of cases, we've had to find these secondary ways to get our voices out. We cannot, we've been rejected by mainstream. A lot of our talents aren't being received in the ways that they should be for those of us that are creators and actors and actresses and things of that nature. Like, so then we're creating these platforms and then eventually cancel culture will then do what it inevitably does, get tired of really being about what it says and then turns racist. And so like, I don't want to be a part of that movement where then we're canceling groups of people. Because it just feels like at the end of the day, we all deserve an evolution. And even if someone does make a mistake, provided that you didn't murder nobody or you didn't stab nobody, I don't believe that no one is worthless and not worthy to be, dis- to be a part of our community. So even a racist, what is our strategy to help convert these people or to, because we can't, I mean, because, you know, you'll have the radicals in every group saying kill them all on the other side. And I'm not that girl. So like, I guess I'd be wondering sometimes, what is the strategy? And this is not, this is rhetorical, but like, what is the strategy of us as a people to like rehabilitate human beings in a way that is healthy and productive to society that may have have problematic views, that may have done problematic things, but that may not have ride to this level of them being treated like a social deviant. You know what I'm saying? Like being right to the level to where for the rest of their lives, millions of people will remember them in shame. Like what is the way we can have a address these concerns, call out the bad characters, the people who do need to be shamed. Let's do it, but let's take that energy. And I kind of be nervous about turning it on blow Joe and not the big corporation or not even, or at least not spending the same kind of energy. And I feel like the world is getting to the point where the lenses of the big are turning on the mighty and we're burning little people like ants under a microscope. And that's scary to me. 
Mm. Like, for real. Like, that's scary to me. And so when we talk about this cancel culture, I'm like, I want to know everything, sis, but, like, I just, I don't think that, I don't think that, I think that in the world that we lived in, if, if all of the thoughts that we shared before the internet was the internet and before the awareness of how things could even, how the internet would advance to where people can find your old MySpace, you think you done shut the shit down and now the internet has evolved to where even your effort to conceal your error and to try to make amends can get leaked. Does that make sense? Like, it's just scary to me because I, I don't know the circumstances around everything, but I just, I don't want to live in a world where it's just like, fuck you forever. Like, I don't, I just don't. Cause then I don't know when that lens is gonna turn my way. Cause inevitably we're gonna piss off the masses. And if fuck you forever is the way they handle it, then I would, then that's a rejection that will be devastating to me. Cause I do love my black people. I do love my American people. I do love this country. Like, so what's the way we can kind of try to like solution to bring it together in some way. That's what I really be wanting to see on TV. I watch the news all the time looking for that. And I never see that. I just see the ways in which we're so crazy and different from either side, you know? Well, for me, I don't, I don't, I'm only interested in disengaging when I feel like you're dangerous or I feel like you have resources that could be used in a dangerous way. But for me, for me, all I just want is acknowledge. Worst part, that's deep. Okay. I just want like, like for example, like JK Rowling, she's legitimately date like one she can't be canceled because she has so much money but the fact that she can't be canceled i think is i think is even more troubling for me because it's like not only do you have these views but you're like super wealthy and you can really use your wealth to influence some shit like um they're debating the equality act now some republican senator quoted shit that she wrote to use against um a proven equality act so it's like people people like her need to be canceled but ultimately when you have because we live in a capitalistic world when you have money or when you have access to other um sources of money you cannot be canceled it just is what it is but as far as like unearthing people's old stuff it's not i feel like I feel like people who are constantly marginalized, we are taught how to apologize and we're, you know, we taught how to work through stuff. But people who are privileged, whatever privilege that they have, they're not taught how to apologize. They're not taught how to acknowledge anything. So I, I like, personally, I don't really care if you've evolved in your mindset or whatever. I just want you to acknowledge that you did it. I feel like because it's, um, Nobody wants to say that I'm that person because social, like socially and capitalistically, that's not good. Like nobody wants to be painted with the phobia or the phobic brush because it's a possibility that you might lose money. However, I just want the for me, it's more a is is more important for me that you risk possibly being painted as that at some point in the past to say hey, I fucked up, I did something, I said something I shouldn't have. Or you could say, this was my mindset when I said and did these things. But the problem is a lot of people like feel like they are above it and that they don't have to do it. And they want the benefit of not being called the person um, when they did something that warranted them being called the person, i.e. the Kevin Hart situation. Like, 
you like the Oscars weren't stolen from you. You had the opportunity to make a actual a, a genuine and sincere apology, but you didn't do it. You didn't do it. And you you stepped in front of your own opportunity. All you had to do was say, I fucked up. I didn't not not even that, oh, I love all gay people. Like I fucked up. This is where my mind was. This is like, but like I feel like people aren't taught how to do that especially people who are privileged. So like I could like I do I think we're ever gonna eradicate racism and homophobia anytime. No. And I don't I don't expect people to change. But what I would like to see is just like um an acknowledgement of what you did and how you made people feel. And when we talk about things about uh, like when we're talking about gaslighting and sea lining like that's the perfect cure to um people who have experienced gaslighting tell them that what they experienced was for real and it wasn't just made up somewhere and that they're just crazy no that's part of it right like atoning like actually uh, it's actually acknowledging that there was a wrong how you're going to improve you know what yeah, i mean I feel like if people were to, if everybody was just to be progressive and all of that, I feel like they would also be phony too. True. If, if people would be like, oh, I'm on board and I don't, like, I just don't think that would be true. I just want us as a culture to, because everybody can say stupid shit. Everybody, and that's why, you know, I drag and I have fun, but with certain people, I'll give grace or like, I've been in situations where I've watched other people close to me get dragged and people will try to get me to choose or to say something. And I'll be like, no, because I know this is this and that about a person. And then I'll tell the people that are dragging, I'm like, okay, I just hope that when it's your turn in the hot seat, that people will extend the same grace to you because we all need grace because we all mess up and we all do other stuff. But I just, I just want a society where we, um, where people account for the actual things that they did and um, not act like that. I think where we go wrong is when people act like nothing happened. And that's the problem with our country now. We don't, like, we don't even want to act like slavery happened. And that's why we continue to have the problems that we have or act like we are not living in the effects of a uh, racist country or a country that has slavery for like 400 years. So like, let's say that we did it. Let's acknowledge the people that were impacted and let's move on. And then if, if they did that, they would get to be, they would be able to benefit because now they're in a world where they have access to education or they would be able to say, um, you know, back then it was different, but now I know that that's not appropriate and I would never say that. And we could just move on and people can move on to the next news story. But it's just like people are so, like people are so invested in protecting their ego and being right. And well, I never did this and I didn't. It's like, we literally have the tweets. Like, <laughs> like, it, <laughs> with your, like you did say it. So like, why, like, why don't we investigate? Like, why like why you're invested in not like you know acknowledging it and like let's just try to work from there so girl i feel like we um did an episode i know right so you want to end it out yes first of all thank you so much for all of our listeners and those who have returned and those who have donated and those who have described and liked us on our social media platforms 
But for those of you who are new, I would like for you to know that box number 512 has very interactive platforms on Facebook and on Instagram and on YouTube. And we have, and our podcast is available every place podcasts are sold. Also, we want you to keep in mind to follow us every Friday on our for our Box Number Five Twelve Live After Show, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk Live with Aon and the Lioness. And lastly, thank you so much for those who have donated, as I stated earlier. But for those of you who want to support Black Trans Business, please, please, please. Follow us on social media and donate and make sure you put, you contribute to what, what is a thriving and fledgling business. Um, and thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. This is Box Number 512 Podcast. I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. And we welcome you to come back another time. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. Thank you for, for listening, listening to Box, Box Number 512. And don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we'll stock on the shelf next week. Bye.